Welcome to the Member Engagement Show with Higher Logic, the podcast for association professionals looking to boost retention, gain new members, and deepen member involvement. Throughout our show, we'll bring on some experts, talk shop about engagement, and you'll walk away with strategies proven to transform your organization. I'm Heather McNair. I'm Alex Mastriani, and we're happy you're here. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Member Engagement Show. Today, we are talking about our engagement experts list. And uh, first thing that comes to mind when I think of awards uh, um, is award season. And here we are right in the middle of it. Heather, do you love award season as much as I do? (laughs) I do. I do. Although I will admit I do watch them a lot just for the fashion. So the last couple of years have been a little disappointing that way. But (laughs) I me too. But I have to say I'm loving the whole, you know, mask matching the dress phenomenon that we're seeing right now or like the the outfit, not necessarily dress because the men men do it too. Right. Um, yeah. But it's it's something unexpected, but but a fun addition, I guess, that we can look forward to right now. Yeah. Well, and it's it's so nice that we get to well, I mean, just across industries to to take the opportunity to recognize the the best of the best. Um, and that's what we did uh, a few months ago with our engagement experts list. Um, really we Took a list, took a look at all of the people in our industry who were doing amazing things um, with their communities, uh, engaging their members, and uh, and we called that down to uh, to yeah to the superstars. Yeah, and I like this not just because it it gives those folks the recognition that they've really earned and deserve, but it's also great for everyone to see, you know, who's doing these cool things and who should they be looking to for inspiration and ideas and, um, you know, new things that they could try at their organization. So today we have uh, one of our colleagues, Christina Hill, here to join us. She's our Director of Customer Marketing at Higher Logic. Welcome, Christina, or chill, should I say. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, Thank you. It's really nice to be here. So, Christina, before we jump in, uh, do you want to give everyone a little bit of background about yourself and why this initiative was uh, was so important to you? Sure. Well, um, so my my role at Higher Logic is director of customer marketing, and um, I come from a background of working in different roles in marketing and um, even sales and business development. But um, I have a passion uh, around working with customers and um, and working to improve and um, and elevate the customer experience. So that's a big part of this role. And um, one of the things that um, we were launching right when I first came to the organization was this this list, um, which turned into engagement experts. Um, We've done similar sorts of lists in the past. And we were looking at thinking about a list of 21 um, movers and shakers for this year. And really, as we were talking about it, we realized First of all, we have so many people within our community, both uh, customers and um, thought leaders and influencers in the space, that there were just too many people to sort of call down to a list of 21. Um, So we wanted to expand that. And we also started thinking about um, what were the qualities that we were looking for in these people and what were the things that we wanted to highlight most. And really, the idea of engagement is something that is really dear to us. And and the reason 
that we um, have built these these platforms and these programs um, around the idea of community and uh, marketing automation. And so we're really interested in engagement and, and the power of engagement and how people can use engagement to create stronger organizations and uh, more value for their members and their customers. So uh, we expanded the list. We focused on engagement and came up with this list of engagement experts. And the the process that we followed to um, develop this was um, partially internal and partially external. We did go to our customer base to ask and to um, allow and invite people to nominate folks. Um, we also uh, reached out internally and asked for those sorts of nominations and great stories um, that we can tell to highlight um, some of the great folks that are doing excellent work in the, in the area of engagement. In our research, one of the things that we found um, is that engagement you know, we always talk about how important engagement is, uh, but we found that actually engagement begets more engagement. Um, so like the the more you're seeing your members contributing to the organization, whether, you know, it's participating in an online community or uh, attending an event, speaking at an event, that that participation leads to more participation because it creates value for everyone in the audience. Um, and uh, and so we, we dubbed that compounding engagement, kind of for those of you who are familiar with the idea of compounding interest in the financial sector. Uh, here, we're calling it compounding engagement. So it's it's um, it's great to hear what uh, what these experts, what these leaders in our um, in our field are doing, because that is one of the questions we get a lot. Is you know how uh, or you know, what what's other what are other people doing? What should I be doing? And and so we brought together this group to to share some of those ideas. Yeah, today we are bringing you a really great session that Christina hosted with some of our engagement experts earlier this year. And they came together to share some of their knowledge um, on the three engagement strategies that have worked for them. So take it away, Christina. Let me first welcome our engagement experts today. Um, Tom Morrison is Chief Executive Officer at the Metal Treating Institute. He, uh, which is a nonprofit trade organization association whose members are companies in the heat treating business. And Tom has served as CEO for a number of organizations since 1995, uh, including at the Metal Treating Institute, which he joined in 2005. He's a professional speaker. He's an author. He's a life coach. And he also hosts a regular podcast called Association Strong. So uh, welcome, Tom. Deborah, we have uh, Deborah Says here. She's Director of Customer Programs at Alation, uh, which is a data cataloging and governance solution. She's a previous customer uh, that joined the team. Uh, she was also the Alation product owner at eBay for four years. And she has decades of experience in the library science, data, and information space. She works to implement, administrate, and manage adoption for tools like Alation that improve productivity in the way people get their jobs done. So welcome, Deb. 
Kathy Liu is uh, Deb's uh, also a, a partner at Alation. She's community program manager there. And she's an experienced online community manager with a history of working with IT and big data professionals. Um, these two are co-nominees, which is really nice um, after working together to achieve some big wins in their community that we'll hear about shortly. And then finally, Brian Oblinger is chief community officer at Brian Oblinger strategic consulting. He has over 20 years in the industry, launching and contributing to the success of hundreds of communities, including some really large names in the SaaS space. He co-hosts a podcast with Erica Cool called In Before the Lock, where they share their experiences and free resources to help community professionals succeed. So uh, welcome to all of you. So I invite, first of all, our panelists to just tell us a little bit more about yourself, um, you know, just so that we get to know you a little bit. Uh, Brian, do you want to start us out? Yeah, I, you know, I've been around community for a long time uh, before we even called it that, actually, which is makes me feel old now. But um, it's great, right? Everybody's thinking about community. Everybody's trying to figure out, you know, how to do it, where to go. And uh, engagement's a great topic. So I'm, I'm glad to be here and uh, excited to, you know, kind of kind of dive in with everybody. Great. Thank you. Tom? So I'm excited to be here. You know, I figured out on day one being an association executive, that engagement was the one thing that would solve everything in your association. It's kind of been my jam ever since. I've spoken on it, written on it, and I'm excited to be invited in here. Um, I got two cats and three kids and their spouses in their 20s that all keep me challenged to learn how to keep people engaged in daily life. So learn a few things and hope today we uh, shout some things out that people take some good takeaways. Fantastic. Thanks, Tom. Uh, Kathy? Hi, everyone, and uh, I'm honored, uh, along with Deb, uh, to be um, invited. Um, engagement is definitely something on top of every uh, community manager's mind, and I'm happy to share some tactics uh, we have. Fantastic. Thank you. And Deb? Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. I am, uh, as Christina said, I've spent a lot of time in the community and knowledge management space. And you're right, before we even called it community, collaboration was the big thing. Um, and I think uh, the one thing I'd like to say is I'm, I'm pleased to be here talking, but I think there are probably a lot of folks out there uh, who also have contributions and um, could be called experts just as much as uh, possibly anyone here. So uh, that's, that's probably the great thing about community is everybody's got something to contribute. So hopefully we'll, we'll give you something to take away with today and, and you can be your own expert. Very well said, Deb, and, and appreciated. Uh, we know we see within our community uh, so many people all the time that are bringing so many great ideas and experiences and um, solutions to their to their communities and to their customer and, and member bases. And it's it's really a pleasure for us to lift up some of those ideas and experiences and insights uh, in this webinar. And we'll be doing a series of these throughout the year. So. Um, yeah, as much as we can uh, help to share out to the world, uh, great ideas and, and successes, we're happy to do that. So I'm going to start our conversation out with a big topic uh, today, and that is uh, just sort of why, why engagement? Why is that important? What is the value of engagement with your members or your customers? What's the value to your organization? And what's the value um, you know, to, the, to the members and customers themselves? Um, so it's a big topic to start with. Maybe somebody wants to jump in there, Brian. Maybe uh, 
start to eat that elephant for us? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I think, look, I think um, here's, here's the thing, right, is this is what the difference between community and audience and some of those other things are, right? If, if you're just having a one-way broadcast channel where you're just putting, like, don't get me wrong, content is awesome, it is great, and you should have a really robust content program. But if the only way that people engage with that content is just consuming it, then you probably have more of an audience, right? You're, you're sort of just blasting out this one-way thing. Um, engagement really is the essence of, of community and what we do, right, and how we, we cultivate relationships and get success and ultimately business value, right, on the other end of, of like, why do we care about engagement? We care because it's the driver of how we get to value across the organization, whether that's supporting customers, marketing, sales, customer success, you know, whatever those things are. Um, we really need to think about, you know, why are people coming here? What kind of value are they looking for? Uh, and then create programs around engagement to make sure that we're delivering that value to them. Uh, and then we often get the value back, right, when when we get people engaging with each other. You get bring up a great point, Brian, leading it all back to value, because engagement does solve everything. Because engagement, when members are engaged, it solves volunteerism, it solves finances, it solves meeting uh, attendance. It literally solves everything that you have. But it all leads back, people started engagement, but what they forget to go back is one step before that to the value. People do what they value and what they care for. And so I can remember back in 2005 when we came a great, great uh, exercise for anyone listening on here to encourage your board and your staff to go through um, is to do the following. Because what COVID did a year and a year ago was it magnified the weakness in every association's value proposition, which means the members step back and aren't as engaged. Why? Because two things were removed from COVID immediately the moment they came along. You go to any association face-to-face -face networking, networking with their peers will be the number one thing that most people say is the reason they are members of an association. Well, guess what? COVID wiped that out. Enter online communities and virtual meetings to try and compensate for that. But I still know a ton of associations today to say, that's great, well and good, but it doesn't take the place of that connection we get more in person. The second thing it ruled out was advocacy. And so that it's been challenging to see associations do advocacy through online forums and, and, and virtually. So. If, so here's a great exercise, first practical takeaway for everybody listening in is to get your staff and your board to sit down at a table and ask yourself one big question. If no members ever came to a live meeting and, no, and everyone really did not like to write their legislature, what is our value proposition that would engage people to want to exchange their time with us? And if that's zero, you have a serious problem. And so I'd encourage you to really do that process. And here's what you have to do one step further than that is you need to, anything you write down is it, when we look at a value proposition, remember touch point, is it perceived value or is it actual value? I know some people that look and see communities that's actually perceived value because it's not why I really pay my dollars. That's why I tell people when you take advocacy and meetings out, what are the things that you're putting down that people wake up every day driving to work saying, man, I got all these problems in my world and my association has got solutions plugged in to help me do that. Communities play a large part in that, especially today, because the only way I can get to a Brian or a Deb or a Kathy or a Christina now is to get online like this and say, hey, I got this problem. What are you helping do about it? So I think, um, Brian, you hit it right the nail on the head, uh, getting it back to value to get that engagement really started. Yeah, I'd jump in on that particularly. So we have a community that's uh, um, for uh, uh, software users. 
Uh, and I would say that engagement is a means to an end for us, for things like building relationships between customers and ourselves. Um, community is kind of in the DNA of our product. It's a social product and the product designed to um, be implemented inside a company and help them build a data culture. Uh, another word for that might be a data community. Uh, and so we think a lot about engagement towards an end. Um, collaboration, relationship, uh, reinforcing or building or changing a culture, getting people to think about working on things together. So um, I, I think that's a great point is actually community is sort of and the engagement um, doesn't mean anything unless we're helping people achieve an objective that means something to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, Brian, you brought up a point about engagement doesn't happen without value, and that's tied to pain points. And so, and and uh, and Tom as well, thinking about the types of things and the reasons that people are coming to your community. What are some of the main uh, drivers that you see as being um, really that people are are engaging around? Well, it, uh, it depends, right, which is a very uh, consulting answer, but um, it, it does depend, right? What are their motivations? So my advice to people always is understand who your audience is, understand what they care about, what are their motivations, what do they need to be successful, and that's the value, right? And so I think uh, when you think about how do I get engagement or how do I get people to engage, it often starts with leading with value on your end, right? A lot of people build communities and they just expect people to show up and, you know, oh, they're going to all come and they're going to talk to each other and they're going to create all this value amongst themselves. Um, and that might happen if you have a big enough audience, I suppose. Uh, but for most uh, situations and organizations and communities, you have to really prime the pump with that. And so the things that I've seen work well um, in a business context, so B2B software technology, um, career is always a big one, right? Everybody's interested in their own career and, you know, sharing their expertise and building their skills and their resume. So I think that uh, as people build communities and they think about like support communities and things like that, I always encourage them to also add an industry element to that where people can go and have these high level industry and career discussions because I find that those tend to attract a lot of people. Uh, and get them in the mode for engagement. And then hopefully it spills over right into the other other facets and areas of your community. Right. I, I, I like to think of it as return on effort, not just return on investment. So the one thing that's in short supply for everyone who's working is time. And uh, it takes time to come, time to post a question, time to possibly reply to someone else. Like what's in it for me to answer a question for a colleague? Um, and that it's that kind of exchange, the return on the effort of putting something into this. Uh, what am I getting out? And for some people, I, I agree that professionalism, we've got some contributors on our community that uh, they must take a half an hour to write a complicated advice or reply to another person. And, and uh, you know, that that's an amazing kind of um, professionalism uh, and, and builds their own personal brand, I think. Uh, but I, I do think we have to be conscious constantly of people's time. 
uh, and whether it's worthwhile for them to put time into, like Tom was saying, you know, come in and visit the community. You know, is, is it worth it? And that's the trade-off I'm thinking of. That's a great point, Deb, because, you know, a lot of people want to get, have, they have this mantra they've said for the last 10 years, the young, young millennials are not joiners. Well, I want to tell you something. Baby boomers in their 20s didn't join anything because they had the same issues, just different back then in the 60s where they had no money. They were trying to get, you know, build a family. We have 100, over 100 million millennials between 9 and 34 years of age who are going to create the largest membership growth in our history. And so there's two reasons millennials are going to want to join in the future. And it's all circled around community. One, anybody that's ever watched their parent get let go from a job on a Friday and, and struggle for the next six months needing a job. Well, guess what? And I always say in your phone, when you get let go from a job or reorganized, you want to have three people in your in your phone on a speed dial. And they're people that you met at a, at a meeting that said, hey, you know what, Brian, if you ever get let go or leave your company, we would love to work for you because you are the kind of person we want. Well, guess where you meet those people at an association. And guess what? The best of the best companies generally are members of the association, not the worst of the worst. So it's all the companies and all the hiring managers you want to be around. And the other thing that is going to separate that for young people is when you look at a resume, what's the one thing that separates you from the competition? That other activities. I was the chair of the real estate commission. I was the chair of this task force group. And that's where you get that in an association. So I think associations are in the driver's seat demographically to really engage the young people to join their associations if they're providing that value, like Deb said and Brian said, to really engage that we can be here for your future when, when you need us. That's great. And so um, I'm sure people are wondering what are some of the great examples uh, that you've seen or things that you've done over the past year that has helped to drive engagement, uh, recognizing. I think we all we all buy into the idea that engagement is important. Right. So what are some things that you've seen or that you've accomplished? I know we have a couple of examples that we can share. Um, uh, Brian, do you want to start us off, please? Well, I guess, um, you know, that question makes me think a little bit about modality, right? So once you understand people's motivations, as we just talked about, then the next question is, what are, you know, like, what's the mode of, of conversation or engagement, right? And I think it's important to understand that some people want to consume, some people want to get into a more, you know, forum-based discussion, some people want to contribute their ideas to an ideation module, some people want to, you know, look at or help create knowledge. Some people want to, you know, groups. I mean, I could go on forever, right? So I think it's important to think about, you know, what's the delivery mechanism of engagement? And, and then, like, what are the programs within those modalities? How are you incentivizing people, right? Is that gamification? Is it access to other people? Um, there's a bunch of, you know, different things that I'm sure, you know, Tom and, Tom and Deborah know well that they could share with us here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tom, I know you you had some experience during uh, the past year where you were really responding to you know what was happening with COVID. So can you share and talk about that a little bit? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I think the real thing right now is information versus interpretation. <laughs> Associations used to own information until the great association AOL said you got mail and Google and Bing and Yahoo took that over. But because there's a proliferation of just tons of information and a lot of it's not right, what associations now own is the interpretation of the information. You need to be seen as the authorizing source. And so we, we really get in real time, look for that information to go out. But we also really dig into what do I, what's the friction, anxiety and stress in our members' lives? What do they need and want? 
So I want right. to share with people what, what, what building an engagement strategy really means when you collectively put community, online communities, and uh, actual value together. And this is our net worth growth since 2005 when we did our strategic plan that went through that exercise where we took away meetings and advocacy and said, what's our value to the person that's really not in those two uh, buckets? 2,600%. That is the growth in our net reserves over the last 15 years. The, the power of that is when we only had 100 grand in the bank, our board could take no risk and do not a lot for our members. Now, money's not an object when we look at a program. We can do great things for members. We've got 83% of our members engaged in at least one or more of our 13 touch points. So the key I think Brian's going to allude to later, do you, do you know what those are? Are they actual and are you measuring them so you can really get the people who aren't? And the 96% is our average retention rate of our membership for the last 15 years because our engagement and our value is so high. So this is what engagement strategy can lead to. We really follow a process called ALIVE in our board and our uh, value strategy. And what that stands for is ask meaningful questions, listen intently for the pain points, innovate for pro products and services that can meet that. V is value, getting the value out of it. And E is execute with excellence and engage. So we really look to see, we, we, we go through that process with everything that we do in our association when it comes to meeting the members' needs because we're asking the wrong question. We're always asking what keeps you up at night and what keeps people up at night is what they're frustrated with, not actually what's wrong with their company or their business model that needs fixing. So I always ask them, where do you find the friction, anxiety, and stress in your business model that we could be a part of helping you do better? Because that's why people are leaving associations. They're not providing those solutions to them. So that's what we really come out of this past year is, is looking for specific things to give members real time because the market's moving fast, Christina, very fast, and associations need to speed up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, when when certain while certain companies have started support in communities, few others do not want to do this because they sell support. What do you think about that? Oh, I I can speak to that. We're um, in our community, and you know, partly because I come out of this knowledge management background, and uh, I hope Kathy gets a chance to present some of the stuff that we've we've done specifically around this. Uh, event that we've done around sharing knowledge. Um, but I tend to think of it as uh, people are looking for advice, answers, or skills. Uh, and so um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think we have to think about the modalities that Brian was talking about. We have to think about, um, you know, helping people solve those pain points. But I, I, you know, if we can think in terms of answers and skills and advice, which is, I, I think, the sweet spot for community, um, then, uh, you know, we can begin to meet people's needs. That's great. Thank you, Deb. Uh, Tom, we have a question for you. Can you just uh, come back to Alive and tell us what, is, what does that stand for? Well, so, so A stands for ask the meaningful questions. You want to ask things that get to what the members, what their pain points are. Because with no pain points, you have no value because that's where they need you the most. Um, and that's where communities come in. Um, communities, what most people, when, I, when, when we built ours in 2007, our online community, we, we thought it was going to be like Facebook. Once we unveiled it, people are going to run to it, but it, it, it didn't. So we, you have to have a real focus on the real expectation of a community is it's a public library. People don't wake up and go in there every day. They have a need. They need information. Like Deb said, they go out, they get it, and they get away. So look at your community. You have a real expectation. It's not Starbucks. It's a public library. 
but A is for ask meaningful questions. L is listen intently for pain points. I is innovate for products and services. V is value. You want to create that around those products and services, and it's got to be actual. And E is execute with excellence. And we find that if, if I find when you do those five things, you can't help but come out of the end with something that people want to engage in. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I love that you've, you're including innovation in there as, as part of the mm-hmm. mix too. Um, and how do you balance, uh, you know, that innovation and, and the needs from the community? Is that an ongoing process of conversation internally? It is. I mean, all of our staff are taught, as well as our board board members, to always be. I mean, I've had dinner with members, and I just start quizzing them with questions. You know, what when you wake up every day and you go in your business, what's the thing that's keeping you from being the perfect business? And they're going to immediately tell you right then and there, and right then and there, you get ideas to ask other members. And when you get a lot of members that have the same pain points, boom, there's a program. And so, it, I'm I'm a I love asking questions of our members. So it's never a one time survey a year. That's where we make a big mistake. You need to be real-time mode of listening to your members, but ask the right questions so you can get those. Because, um, yeah. you know, the affinity programs people are looking for out on Collaborate, I see so many people on ASAs Collaborate asking about affinity programs. My question always is, have you asked your members first what they need before you ask me to give you a program that we don't know if it matches up? And that's where communities come into play. You can go out there and ask 5,000 people, hey, what's the biggest stumbling block in your business being perfect right now? And they can, and when they start talking, they're telling you exactly what they need. Mm-hmm. And, and Brian, I know I've heard, uh, I listened to one of your podcasts recently, and you were talking about this this concept of, you know, ask, listen, and do. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's this, uh, it's this crazy idea uh, about listening to your your members or your customers or you know whoever your stakeholders are, right? Um, I, I'm I'm very fond of saying that. You know, I've worked with hundreds of companies over my career, and one of the things that you see commonly is a lot of guessing, frankly, right? Like a lot of we we think we know what the customer wants or what our members want. Um, you know, I got a feeling, I had a dream, you know, whatever. Uh, and the reality is, instead of spending all of your time and money, uh, you know, guessing and being wrong and having to retread and redo. Uh, the right answer is to just ask them. They'll tell you, right? So uh, I highly encourage people to use surveys. Tom was talking about, you know, having conversations with them. Any way that you can get a window into their world and understand what they actually care about from their mouth unfiltered through your kind of, uh, you know, what you expect or what you want to hear uh, is ultimately the most efficient and the best way to collect collect that data and then turn that data into something useful. So, um, it, you know, it might not be the easiest route, but it's certainly the best one. Uh, just just ask them, they'll tell you. I was just gonna say one thing, we've just uh, sort of relatively finished uh, phase one of a project where we, uh, we're using data out of the higher logic platform and feeding it into our Alation data warehouse uh, and then producing uh, dashboards in a visualization tool. Um, and so speaking of uh, data, um, we're a data-driven company. And so our, our, we look at, all, we, we talk to our members, we have done surveys, uh, but we're also watching what they do because they'll, they'll tell you a lot just by what they do, uh, what they're looking at, what they're interested in, which events they attend. Um, right. 
questions they're responding to. So uh, data and behavior can reveal a lot of that without even having to ask them. People vote with their clicks. Yeah, they vote with their clicks, right? I have a practical example, Christiane. Everybody likes to look at the practicality. So I was at dinner a few years ago in Seattle talking to some members before this big standards meeting we had. And I said, so what is the big deal that, that, what's that big thing that makes your business not perfect? Like at the time, we all get audited because we work on airplanes. We don't do our work right, planes fall out of skies, right? So it's audited pretty high. What would be great is if we could be able to see other members like us as audits, audits. They're all private to the company, so they can't share it. They said if MTI could come up with something that allows us to see the findings, the best practices, the corrective actions, that would be great. And I'm like, so if we had a database, that you could log in password protect the confidential, <coughs> excuse me, and you could log in and put that information in. And when you do that, then you could see all the other audits that'd be beneficial. They said, Tom, that would be golden. So we turned around and spent 15 grand and we put that database together. Now our members think we're the, it's, it's an awesome thing because now they can see all other members information, you know? And so that, that's when you, that's what I talk about listening and connecting the dot of a need to a solution. Absolutely. And, and that idea that uh, behavior really is, it's, it's data, but it's human data. Um, right. it, it's the, these communities give us an opportunity to connect with, with people on a human uh, basis and their behavior will tell us everything. Kathy, how, uh, what kinds of behavior have you seen in your community and, and how, how has that helped direct the work that you're doing? Yes. Uh, so during COVID, um, because uh, we're relatively pretty young community, um, before COVID, we're just launched half a uh, half a year ago, and um, we really need that interaction and engagement. So we quickly uh, launch uh, we what we call a elation brief, which is a weekly thirty minutes. Um, uh, kind of partnering up with the subject matter expert from cross-functional team and speakers. And um, the program's vision is really to create that feeling of sitting down next to the knowledgeable colleague and learning something new. Because during COVID, this is exactly what we need. <laughs> and um, the subject matter expert uh, are, are there to really share the best practice, experience, and advice on uh, elation features functionality and use case. And um, when the program launched uh, at the end of June 2020, it really immediately um, attracted all the community members' attention. And um, from the data, we know uh, the community members are really craving for this type of bite size and not huge time commitment of online sharing. And presenter presenting that 15 to 20 minutes of presentation is really not demanding at all. So, and um, what we did in the community is every uh, elation brief is recorded and shared and followed by a Q&A discussion and really encourage uh, the participant to continue the discussion in the community. And we use the higher logic event module and um, that really helps uh, the community member to quickly RSVP for the event and download on the event uh, on the calendar. It also uh, send out automatic reminder for participation, really making my life uh, as a community manager very easy. And we also can see from the result, it really uh, becomes that must attend activity 
And every section, we attract over 80 attendees. And uh, the community traffic uh, tremendously increased. Uh, our unique page view um, in the second half of 2020 almost doubled versus a pre-election brief time. And unique lock-ins increased by 72%. I mentioned that engagement rate when surged by 20%. So um, this is exactly how a good program that meeting uh, the community members needs uh, can bring. Yeah, and this is so. This, that's a great result and uh, a great uh, that's a, a great program that you developed in a quick sort of an agile uh, method in the last year. I've I've seen that. It's it seems like that's been a bit of a trend over the past year. Um, and Tom, I know you were doing some uh, similar types of uh, events and programs in, in your space as well, right? Yeah, well, I mean, we require every another level of engagement. Not a lot of people think about is we require every active working committee to have their own community, which pulls them in and gets them in because we don't want to just meet between conference calls and our um, and our annual meetings or whenever committees could meet. We want to we want to build processes. One, I love it as a CEO because I can send out if I'm going on vacation, I can send out a bunch of notifications in the community and let them go do their thing and work and talk. And I can come back and, and go, oh my gosh, all this work's being done while I'm gone. Community makes, I look at our community as a, as a communication uh, employee. So it helps us really connect our members. So yeah, we circle uh, online virtual and community around everything that we do and every, we ask ourselves, how can that community aspect play a vital role in connecting people, whether it's a program, a meeting, a committee or what have you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kathy, where are you getting your subjects? Are, are they community and member driven? Or are you coming up with those ideas on your own? Um, definitely um, both. Um, we have a thread uh, open um, for topics, um, suggestions, um, and uh, cross-functionally, um, we constantly ask our cross-functional teams um, um, possible uh, topics uh, for every week's election brief. And uh, bi-weekly, we have a, a starting community, uh, which we definitely invite our stakeholders uh, uh, stakeholders uh, for advice on um, upcoming topics. Great. Yeah, I would jump in and say that um, one of the things that we've done since we're a young company, young community is, um, and I intentionally did this, which is get as much of a relation on board into the community as much as our customers. And so, um, and the other thing about these relation briefs is a lot of times we'll cherry pick them from stuff that people are already doing. So we've got sales engineers and professional services, customer service guys, and they put together a few paragraphs about a new feature or how to implement something or um you know, some ad advantage to a feature. And if we see those, we'll reach out and say, that looks like a good 15 minute chunk of something you could do on Alation Briefs. And so we're repurposing uh, and, and that also, you know, kind of keeps that flywheel of these meetings going. Uh, and a lot of it is what Kathy said, you know, it's not a huge commitment to find 30 minutes that return on effort, right? 30 minutes for an attendee and 15, 20 minutes for a presenter. We're not asking them to do a whole big formal 
um, 16 page PowerPoints. So they're just sort of sitting down, creating this informal, very targeted, very nugget like piece of information. And I think that's really um, helped us to keep the flywheel going and the content going. And it ranges all over from um, how to use a particular product API to how to drive adoption. We have customers doing sessions um people from all over the company so they make a name for himself we just recently and i'll i'll quiet down about it but we just recently had the guy who does all of our training videos and nobody's ever seen him but everybody recognized his voice he just did a session <laughs> so people got to see the the face behind the voice that's, that's great that's great yeah and, uh, one more question for Kathy the, or, or Deb. The briefs, how were they marketed? Did marketing change as the months progressed that may have positively impacted attendance? Well, it's definitely the positive attendance and word of mouth. And um, we actually constantly uh, announce uh, our results, uh, no matter in company newsletter and also in all hands. Um, and um, I actually reach out to a lot of um, our subject matter experts uh, to ask them uh, to be our speakers. So it all kind of, um, and you know, truthfully, thank you to our community platform and uh, from the reports, we identify topics people are interested in. And, and from the blog views, like um, Deb was saying, um, we monitor and really see uh, positive feedback uh, from a particular blog. We know that's, uh, that is something uh, the community members are interested in, and we reach out uh, to the blogger um to, to ask them to present um so it's multiple venues yeah we're also uh, we've also got some small incentive programs internal ones where we recognize uh our presenters um and you know we have a a um little internal incentive uh and also a um don't we give them a banner Kathy, something like that. Uh, yes, we do. Yeah. Yes, we do. Elation brief uh, presenter banner. Lovely. That's great. Um, and uh, Tom, speaking of, of marketing, kind of cross-channel um, promotion, I know you you have your podcast, as you said, um, mm -hmm. and you are, were doing these sessions during COVID as well that were uh, inform informative and sort of cross-seeding that between your podcast. How did that work? Well, between the podcast, but also I knew that we needed to get information in members' hands very quickly on very specific topics. So we actually developed, we already had an MTI TV online show, but we created Heat Treat Live webcast. And every other week we had a 45 minute show that wasn't slides. It was this right here, real life people talking like in a news format where we were giving real time information to members and they loved it, it was well attended. And they, you know, they really sought to be there on every single webcast because we were bringing things they needed right then and there. So you know, when we post things out, we take a combination of our weekly e-news, our newsletter, and our community, and we're, we're pushing that information out. Our members love the early part of COVID. We took, uh, many people know who what PropView is. It's a kind of a, a question-asking uh, platform that gets members feedback. And we would send out on Monday a question, um, three, three questions that were important to members in COVID, send it out on Monday, and the next uh, Monday, we would post it out in our community. And members got to love that every single week. It was things like, how many of you are laying people off? It was real-time information that people needed to know. So it was cross-pollinating all that information and, and all of our different platforms to be able to get that information down to them. But the key 
is understanding what information is going to be meaningful that draws them in. Right. And Brian, I, I know you work with a lot of different organizations. What, what kind of cross-channel um, collaboration and integration have you seen um, with, the, with the community, with podcasts? What kind of, um, what kind of also what kind of tre- trends have you seen over the last year in terms of what, what channels or what tools are people gravitating towards? Not as much collaboration as I'd like, right? So um, I think what tends to happen is uh, people focus on their specific functional area or their slice of the pie, right? So people in marketing are going to do marketing things. People in community are going to do community things. The real power of a lot of this in an organization comes when they start talking to each other and syncing up their content and engagement calendars, right? Um, A lot of the rework kind of gets set aside, efficiency increases, and ultimately then your message, whatever it may be or message is, um, tend to resonate more because they're more consistent across the different channels. And then you can also use those channels to promote different activities. So uh, people in social can be promoting what's going on in community, community can be promoting certain messages from marketing, round and round we go. Um, so I think that collaboration and syncing up those, the, you know, content and engagement calendars is super important. Not enough organizations do it because it's hard uh, and people don't want to talk to each other and they want to sit in their silos and, you know, keep their head down. Uh, but it turns out the companies that are really high functioning and high performant uh, are the ones that have that type of a culture. Uh, and so I would recommend, you know, anybody listening Reach out to someone that's not in your functional unit, right? And and see how you can partner with them and see where you can gain that efficiency. Because ultimately, that's what I think really makes it compelling for members. And that's why they want to tune in more. That's great. And I know um, I, I, I so agree with you. And we are, you know, as a, as a company that has our own community, as well as um, all of the other efforts that we're doing all the time, we're constantly um, working together to communicate internally. And that it is something you, you can get to running so fast that um, you don't take the time to do that. And I think that's really, really important. Um, I want to kind of come come around to the idea of measurement. Uh, we've talked about value. We've talked about how we uh, learn from our, our users, our, our members of our community uh, about what they need and, and, um, and how, and think about how we serve that up to them. How do we measure then the engagement that we're getting back out of that? How do we bring that back to around to our business uh, impact? Well, we're big on measurement from a offline and online. I look at our online stuff to see how things are going within our community. But even more than that, we track in our AMS all 13 touch points of what our members do and the, the, AMS, the uh, um, community is a part of that. And so it takes me about an hour, but I download that information by member and I give them a point for every one of the touch points. And I then score them in the how many programs they're in. I don't get bogged down and do they get 50 points because they're on the board? Because I know board members that are go to two meetings. They're on the board, but they're in none of our programs. They're like number 50 on a scale of, you know, one to 50 of being engaged. So um, I believe in and, and I take that and I put them in orders of highly engaged, somewhat engaged and not engaged because here's the two members we're always subject to losing your largest members because they make enough money that they ask themselves what can you do for us we can't do for ourselves and then the members that aren't engaged in anything they're always at risk to leave so that doing that that scoring in some capacity just to see 
where your members are in that engagement really helps you understand where your your focus needs to be on your messaging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Deb, from a data, you're a data uh, science person. So from that perspective, what kind of, of KPIs are you looking at? How do you, how are you measuring impact and, and taking that back within the organization? Yeah. So yeah, data driven from day one, um, we report some really high level metrics, uh, how we, we try to grow and retain an engagement rate percentage um, at the same time. Uh, every time we get a new customer, uh, we want to get that customer into the community. We want to, um, you know, cover our customer base. So we're looking at that number, how many members from each customer, um, how many of them are engaged. And we also look at a certain set of activities to prove that they're They've been interacting and not just logging in and lurking. Um, and then for ourselves, we look at a, at a lot more uh, detail around events and how much content and which content's getting viewed. Kathy does a great job sort of monitoring all of that. And, and uh, I've just learned over the years, you need to, if you can't answer a quick elevator question about you know, how many people are on your community? How how well are they doing? What, what percentage of them are engaged? Then you're kind of not paying enough attention. And uh, Kathy, do you have anything to add? Um, yeah, so um, we actually set up standard pretty high. So um, the engagement rate uh, I reported earlier, we're looking at um, total number of people who actually have done something in the community. They're not just visit. So uh, in higher logic, uh, that means like post questions, answer question, likes uh, something, uh, I mean, actually recommend something, download something or participate in the poll. They actually have to trigger an action uh, besides just viewing. Um, we call it total active members um, and divided by total number of um a community member who have logged in and signed the terms and conditions. So it's pretty rigid. So it's not just you have to, I know a lot of communities uh, put a lot of value just for people who log in and check it out within the past seven days, for example. Um, it, but we actually take the step beyond that. So um, that 20% was maybe, maybe high <laughs> as far as I know. Yeah. Well, it's great. Um, and Brian, any any last thoughts on on value and uh, measurement, and 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 really b- bringing that back to where we started in business impact. When I think about how do you explain the value of of what we're doing here with with all this engagement, um, you know, if you go into the CEO's office or you know a board meeting or something, and you're talking about engagement, right, in terms of logins and posts and, and those things, those are great measurements and those are operational metrics, right, that kind of tell you, are we going in the right direction? Ultimately, you know, to get to that higher level audience, the VP, C level, board level, you got to translate that into their language and what do they care about? And so we've heard some of those here today with like retention, cost savings, uh, you know, increasing your pipeline on the marketing side. So I think understanding deeply what those types of folks want and care about and translating what you are doing in your community or your association or whatever the case is into that high level value discussion, preferably with dollar signs on it. um, That's when you really find that you can get a lot of traction 
And all of a sudden people, it clicks for them. They go, oh, I get it. Okay, this is why we're investing in this. And hopefully this is why we should invest more in it uh, is really the, the value there. Um, like a lot of people talk about how hard it is to get investment in community initiatives and get headcount. Um, I can confirm for you that if you go into a CFO's office and say, I saved you $20 million last year and I can do 30 this year if you give me two more people, um, that's a whole lot of different conversation than saying, right. well, I had 15 posts and, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, if the average cost of, of another head is 80 grand or 90 grand and you're saying you're going to save a net. 10 million more dollars, they're like, yeah, let me load you up. We'll give you as many headcount yeah. as you want. Uh, and that's like kind of translating all of this into the language of business. I, I have to jump in for two things that we're in the process of, of moving towards. One is what we call case deflection, right? Very classic kind of use of, of uh, community. Um, and we're, we're looking at how it is that we can measure that and, and put a dollar amount to it. And then the other one is, of course, we're in software as a service, right? So we're really interested in renewals and expansions. Uh, and we're just beginning the work to look at engagement. Uh, and if we may not be able to prove causation, but we could certainly look at correlation and say that a, a most engaged customer is more likely to expand, to renew and expand. Uh, and so that that's a that's very definitely a dollar proof uh, for us. Yeah, uh, great work. And it's, it's a question that comes up, I think, a lot in, in, in all of our lives and something that um, is important that we work towards, uh, you know, reflecting back what is that business impact as well. So thank you so much for being here to, to all of our panelists. Um, and we will look forward to more great conversations in the future. Wow, there were some really great tips there. I hope uh, I hope everyone finds them as helpful and insightful as as we have here. And I just want to thank uh, Christina Hill for moderating and for joining us today. Uh, and uh, thank Tom, Deb, Kathy, and Brian for such a great session. Yeah, and if you enjoyed that, we have another panel session just like that one coming up in a few weeks. You can join us on May 26th at 2 p.m. Eastern time where we'll be joined by another handful of our engagement experts to talk about some of the key metrics that they're looking at to determine the impact of um, community on their organization, how they're measuring success, tracking towards goals. And um, I know it's always a, a topic that we get questions about. So definitely some tips you can pick up there. So stay tuned to the Higher Logic social accounts. Check out LinkedIn, Twitter for the registration link for that one. But that's going to do it for another episode of the Member Engagement Show. We'll see you all next week. 